Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome into The Verge, a show which covers the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues. The Verge is part of BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter. On Twitter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A lets us be more creative on another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Welcome to On the Verge. This is Zach Spedden, joined as always by Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens. And we've got a lot to get into tonight, including the big news of today, which is that Jackson Holiday has been promoted from low A Delmarva to high A Aberdeen. And we've got a lot of other hitters we want to talk about in this episode too, including some of his former teammates at Delmarva, as well as Colton Cowser with the Norfolk Tides, who has really been heating up over the last two weeks. But first, we're going to start off this episode as we do a lot of our episodes by shouting out new members of our Patreon community. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Bob. Yeah, we got a couple of them. First, my cousin Brooks. Welcome back. I know he was a patron at some point in the past. Let it lapse. He's back. Back on board now that Orioles are winning games. And Bradley, no last name mentioned uh, in, on the Patreon. Welcome, guys. Thanks for your support. Yeah, thank you for your support. And if you haven't signed up for our Patreon community yet, please consider doing so. You can join for as little as $3 a month. Have access to our WhatsApp group. And then at the 5 and $10 levels, have ad-free episodes, or excuse me, bonus daily content throughout the season. We'll dive in now to the big story of today, which is that Jackson Holiday has been promoted from low A Delmarva to high A Aberdeen. And this comes after a phenomenal start to the season for Holiday. Through 65 plate appearances, he was hitting 392 with an OPS of 1190 while walking 14 times and striking out just 12 with the Sorebirds. That, of course, followed a stint at Delmarva last year where he appeared in 12 games and posted a 439 on base percentage while walking 15 times. So Holiday had shown that he could handle the level at the end of last season, and then he basically mastered it over the first few weeks of the 2022 season. Probably not a big surprise to see Holiday promoted early in the year. After all, he was in Major League camp for an extended run during spring training, and it was a little bit of a surprise at first glance when he did go back to Delmarva, but he went there, hit the ball hard, had a lot of success, and now he's going to be moving up to Aberdeen. So, Nick, I'll start with you here. The numbers probably speak for themselves when it comes to Holiday and his performance, but what is your what are your thoughts on this move? I thought we were going to start the show with uh, Aaron Rodgers, the, the big story of the day. Um, we got... I'm not surprised at all that uh, this happened when it did. I'm glad the Orioles went ahead and moved him up now and didn't wait another week or so. Like you mentioned, the numbers, they're just insane. The 1190 OPS, 223 WRC plus more walks and strikeouts. I think that game the other day when he hit those two opposite field home runs in the same game, I think that was it. That was like curtain call, mic drop, he's done. Uh, that was his final moment in Delmarva. And like finishing the week was just a formality because you, you kind of got to it at that point. But like I didn't th- even think he needed to start the year in Delmarva after what he did last year. 
in Delmarva. And then, like you mentioned, he was in big league camp for a long time, but not just the fact that he was in big league camp, but he was successful against decent pitching. I think baseball reference, they have that opponent quality in spring training. I mean, he was facing the equivalent of like high A pitching in spring training, having success. So I thought they probably started him there, but I, I was thinking about this earlier today. And, you know, you maybe you send him, I, I figured out the Matt Blood. I went inside Matt Blood's head today and I figured this out. You send him to Delmarva, figuring he's going to put up these kind of numbers, right? So then he could go to Aberdeen riding this high, knowing that Aberdeen is this pit for hitters. They didn't want to bruise the confidence right from the gate. So you promote him now. And actually now Aberdeen's on the road for two straight weeks. They're in uh, Wilmington this week. And then next week they're in Brooklyn. So two weeks he gets to get comfortable against high pitching before he goes to Aberdeen. So like I, Matt Blood, genius, genius move there. Um, but like I, I also really loved John Mioli's article. As usual, just, I mean, you talk about the behind-the-scenes information of what changes these hitters, these minor leaguers are putting in and what exactly a lot of the coaches and instructors down the farm are doing with these, um, especially the younger players. John knocked it out of the park. And just some of the quotes there real quick. I think uh, we'll find the quotes here that I highlighted. Da-da-da. Yeah, it talks about how Miel or uh, Holiday had done a really good job of shifting some, shifting the weight a little bit and a slight hand adjustment and then boom. In practice, he started hitting the bombs. And then Delmarva's hitting coach, Josh uh, Bunzelmeyer, he got a lot of hype uh, from John Miller these last couple articles we'll talk about. But he said, quote, this year he's doing that, which controlling the zone, and also just physically handing velo and handling off speed and just hitting the ball harder. And then was joking about how he saw better stuff from Anthony Villa, who's the hitting coordinator, than he did in pitchers some nights down there in low A. So, yeah, I, I think now the fun begins with Jackson Holiday. Let's see what you can do in tie competition. I don't know, guys. I mean, his walk rate's down from last year at Delmarva. His strikeout rate is up. The BABIP, that's unsustainable. Uh, no, this was just a matter of time. Um, Nick nailed it as far as just let him get some confidence. Just get that, get those numbers up at 223 WRC+. Plus. Um, you know, he's he looked like the same guy that was dominating – Delmarva last year, except more balls were falling in for hits. You know, he had a 238 batting average down there and didn't hit for much power. Well, the power started coming. He had six doubles, a triple. There's two home runs opposite field looking a little Gunnar Henderson-esque, although I do think he will have his struggles in Aberdeen just because everybody does. Everybody. Norby, Kowser, Mayo, every single batter will have some sort of struggle there, but he is such a professional at the plate. I would not be surprised if He's one of the few that could go to Aberdeen and put up, like, obviously he's not going to put up a, what is it, a 11 numbers, 1,200 OPS. But I think he's going to continue to have an on-base percentage over 400, probably less power. We'll see how the average goes. But it was it was about time. I think, I think uh, May 1st is when I thought we were going to start seeing these promotions. But I think this past week was just like, all right, we got to do this a week early just – it's not fair. We can get uh, Adam Crampton some more time in the infield rather than stick him at first base. So it made sense. And honestly, what has impressed me a lot about Holiday is defensively, his internal clock is like right on the money. You can see he knows how to gather himself, get the throw there like a step or two before the runner gets there no matter what. Uh, yeah, so even on the uh, defensive side of the ball, he's impressing me. And that's going on both going on both sides of the second base bag as well. Shortstop is his natural position, but he had played a good bit of second base at Delmarva and looked good at that position. I actually got a chance to see Holiday um, not this past weekend, but the weekend before that at Delmarva. And what stood out to me, and something that's not talked about a lot, is his range at shortstop is really good. Uh, he's got an accurate arm. He's got a quick release. He has really you know good range to both sides. So. Defensively, he's at least a very fundamentally sound player. And then you add in what he does offensively with this really superior strike zone judgment that you just don't see from 19-year-olds. And it's worth noting that Holiday will now be the youngest player in all of high A with this promotion. So he's going to be facing older competition. There's probably going to be some struggles to come with that, along with moving to what's a pitcher's park in Aberdeen. But the skill set that he has where he – I think recognizes pits as well as any hitter his age does. 
and can draw walks, can work tough at bats, I think at the very least it's going to allow him to get out and maybe some of those growing pains a little faster than we've seen some hitters do in the past. Yeah, and I mean, just that's my only caution here is like, yeah, it's we saw Heston Kershaw last year put up those video game numbers. I mean, he made Jackson Holiday look like a, a league average hitter with the numbers he was putting up. And then what happened when Kershaw got to high A? He, he really struggled in the beginning. Last year, Colton Kowser, when he got up to high A in the beginning, he really struggled. And I think we t- we focus a lot about, you know, oh, the, the park dimensions in Aberdeen, which aren't hitter-friendly. That's proven. That's scientific fact there. You can look up those park factors. Uh, but also the fact that, you know, this is the first time a lot of these guys are really being challenged. You're facing pitchers who are more experienced. They know how to attack hitters a little bit better. The breaking stuff's better. Maybe there's a little bit more velo. I mean, everything you hear about what Jackson Holiday has been working on extensively and improving, it's it's to prepare for that level. And so I feel confident that he's going to settle in uh, pretty quickly in high A. But yeah, just he's going to play the rest of the year as a 19-year-old. His birthday is not until December. So he's going to be a 19-year-old with a very real shot of achieving his uh, his said goal of finishing the year in double A. I, I think that's very easy. I think Michael Elias was talking about Hessen Kerstad on the broadcast uh, earlier today before we, we jumped on uh, in the Red Sox game, and they were talking about Kerstad, but he's like, yeah, if Kerstad's hitting the ball well in double A, like we're not going to keep him there long. And I think that's the case, case with Holiday as well. If he's hitting well in Aberdeen, he's not going to be there uh, all season long. Could end the year as a 19-year-old in double A, making Kobe Mayo look like the old man on that Bowie roster. Well, he might be the youngest player in Aberdeen, or not Aberdeen, high A, right now but that's until Samuel Basayo comes up and steals that title from him so I pulled this up earlier and I thought this might be of list of interest to some of our listeners because holiday left-handed hitting shortstop just like Gunnar Henderson came up through the minor leagues Henderson dominated the Delmarva to start the 2021 season that allowed him to earn the promotion I want to compare the two side-by-side side with what they did in Delmarva. Henderson was there for 35 games at the start of the 2021 season, batted 312 with a 944 OPS, struck out 46 times while walking 14. Holiday over the past two seasons has logged 122 plate appearances at Delmarva with a 323 batting average, an OPS at an even 1,000 with 29 walks to 22 strikeouts. So Holiday in terms of games played and plate appearances, does get out of Delmarva faster than Henderson did two years ago. Now, should note that the circumstances with Henderson were a lot different. He was coming off the lost 2020 season, had not played uh, a level of professional baseball other than the Gulf Coast League before the pandemic. And while he was coming out of the alt site, I think we were all waiting at the time to see, is that alt site hype for real? It turned out it was. Whereas Holiday, we knew based on what he did at the end of last year, could go into Delmarva and have success right away. Yeah, and the fact that he was invited to big league camp at, a, at 19 years old at a high school first year after the draft, that was like, that spoke volumes more than almost anything else could have. And yeah, I, what I was going to say other than just make a, a try to make a reference to Samuel Basayo and transition into that conversation was that uh, the jump from low A to high A might be the biggest in all of baseball level to level right now. So that's another reason that you know, don't don't freak out too much if Holiday has a slow start in Aberdeen. He might not go one for whatever Gunner did, one for 43 or whatever to start his uh, high A career, but don't be surprised if there's an adjustment period. No, he's going to walk that first plate appearance tomorrow, and uh, I'm going to demand he get moved up to Bowie the next week, so just get ready. If he walks and no one can watch it, did it happen? That's true. Thanks a lot, Nationals. Terrible franchise. We'll go now to uh, Samuel Basayo, Holiday's former teammate at Delmarva, and maybe uh, his eventual teammate at a higher level later this year. Basayo is off to a phenomenal start. There are 63 plate appearances. He has a 948 OPS with three home runs. At just 18 years old, he's doing this in low A. And Basayo, you know, big-time power. We've known that for a while, but there were reasons to believe that he maybe could have gotten off to a slow start at Delmarva. It's that adjustment of going to a full season level, the adjustment to playing in colder weather, um, the fact that that actually is a tough jump from the FCL to low A, and that he's you know got to catch most nights. And catching is its own development curve that is a little more complicated, yet 
Masayo is thriving on both sides of the ball right now, playing very good behind the plate, showing off that strong arm. And then the power in the batter's box has been pretty much as advertised to this point. So, Bob, I'll let you start with this one. I think, you know, our hopes for Basayo have been fairly high for a while now, but could you have seen this kind of start coming two weeks in? No, I didn't, to be honest with you. And John Muley looking like a genius putting him in that top five, that <laughs> predicting the top five prospects uh, going into the next offseason or whatever that he, uh, that he said. Uh, I think he might even be lowballing it potentially because, man, the athlete that Basayo is and just the natural tools and instincts that he has for the game it's definitely you know my expectations were high but this kid is something else he might be one of the first Orioles international like stars that could emerge from this uh signing international signing stuff that the Orioles are finally gotten into the power we've talked about just insane he can miss hit a ball and it flies over the fence um he was playing first base the other day and just making these smooth athletic picks and instincts to throw home and get a guy trying to score on a ground ball and and the arm is fantastic I think even Jackson Holiday was raving about his arm when he did a interview on a radio spot or or somewhere um could walk more you know five percent walk rate but it's only been 63 plate appearances usually takes 120 plate appearances for a walk rate to stabilize so you know that'll come as uh, the Orioles know how to build some patience in these guys with the swing decisions, but 25% strikeout rate. That's not bad for the power he's putting up and, you know, he's aggressive, but he hits the ball and he hits it hard. 157 WRC plus four doubles, a triple three homers. Yeah. Uh, don't think you could ask for too much more from uh, the first few weeks of the season for Sammy. Yeah. I, I sit here almost every night watching Sammy Basayo and like, I just watch him send baseball the opposite way, like just a flick of the wrist. It's going 400 feet the other way. I, I don't know how this 18-year-old kid is doing that. Like I see him make the impressive defensive plays over there at first base just over and over again. And I know he's a catcher, but I really love Samuel Basayo, the first baseman, because he is, not exaggerating, fantastic defense many nights over there at first base. Like, I just watch all this and then I read all that content from national writers and I try to poke holes and like temper my expectations. But like, you know, he's 18. Where does he end up defensively? Like you mentioned the strikeout numbers to walk numbers. Yeah, they're not great. But then like John Mioli, again, shout out John, drops the hammer with that article. And today looking into it, I pulled some more quotes out of here. Sorry, John. Uh, everybody go subscribe to the Baltimore Banner. Read the whole thing for yourself. Uh, but there's just some just quotes I love. The, again, Josh Bunselmeyer, the Delmarva hitting coach, said he's so talented. He's the quickest learner I've ever been around. He might just tear through the league. This summer was all about toning down the moving parts and starting beside you off in a quieter place, bat on his shoulder, ready to rotate and attack pitches. Uh, he led the Orioles DSL prospects with five home runs and a 748 OPS while leading their complex group in hard hit rate last summer. One of the big things with Basayo is if he's controlling the zone, he's one of the most dangerous hitters probably in the organization. That's high praise. Um, and again, there's even another shout out to Catherine Rowe in this article, the Orioles minor league uh, mental skills coordinator saying that they really got Basayo seemed like a, an, an aggressive hitter, kind of a, maybe a little bit impatient and, Again, in John's article, he said he credits a lot of that growth to Basayo's emotional growth off the field and working with Catherine Rowe and journaling after every at bat. We heard Ryan Fuller when we met him and talked with him. We talked, he mentioned how Taryn Vavra does that after every at bat. And now Basayo's doing that, journaling like how the pitcher attacked him, what he was thinking, how he's feeling after each at bat. And it seems to be working. Talked about how he went on this this cold stretch. And instead of getting frustrated, he was journaling about it. And then he came out the next day and like had a double or something. One for four of the double, had a good night. Just tremendous growth. You hear that all the time, that growth mindset, growth mindset, growth mindset from the organization. Basayo is another shining example, seemingly, of that. And it's he's your next top 100 prospect for the Baltimore Orioles, no doubt. If not the midseason, 100% by the end of the year, Baseball America fan graphs, they're all going to have him in their top 100. Yeah, I completely agree because he's showing that he can catch. And I think that as long as you can keep him behind the plate, at least on a part-time basis, you do that because, you know, that's a valuable skill set to be able to fall back on. And we, you know, 
we think and we hope that Adley Rutschman is going to be the catcher for the Orioles for the next decade, if not longer. But it never hurts to have some contingency plans. At the same time, though, we're now seeing if that bat does have to move over, if he does have to move over the first base, that bat's probably going to play there. And that is legitimate left-handed power. He hits the ball hard. And as long as he continues to make strides with his swing decisions and with his patience at the plate, it's all going to click for him offensively. And I think that's really going to be the key thing. At the same time, though, it's worth putting into perspective, he's not going to be 19 until August. So he's going to play the bulk of the season as an 18-year-old. Still on the young side at Del Marva in terms of his competition. And if he does get a promotion, which the catching position is a little bit tough, and I think we'll talk about this later on, um, to move up in right now, that's going to be a really good start to him for as far as full season ball goes. And I agree with you, Nick. That's something that's going to get him noticed in top 100 lists. And I don't, I, I know I've already seen a lot of talk about this and getting questions about this. I don't think he gets promoted this year. If I had to bet, unless he, if he keeps hitting like this, yeah, by the end of the year, you move him up. But I don't, he's, he's 18 years old. I think that's the other thing here. He's so young. And yes, he's playing so well, but he's still got a lot to learn. Um, and I can't sit here and break him down defensively behind the plate because that's that's a very difficult assignment to do unless you are a catcher. But I can tell you he looks fine, but I'm sure there's a ton for him to work on. And he does have some rough nights. You do see some at some of those nights in the box, like in John's article that he talked about, kind of not being in that quiet place before at bats. You see him get a little wild and loose over the plate sometimes. I'm just sit, like sit back and enjoy the Basayo show right now in Delmarva. You got Creed Willems there. You've got some really impressive catching prospects right above him. It'll all work out, but for right now, he's he's a young guy. He's very young. It's just which makes it even more impressive what he's doing right now, though. Yeah, and you can tell he's just having fun when he's playing baseball, which is really cool to watch as well. Uh, yeah, I don't know the little things behind the plate. He looks smooth. He looks comfortable. We we can tell he's got that big arm. But, yeah, I agree. I, I think he'll get promoted to Aberdeen, but I don't think it's going to be as quick as everyone's going to want, which is like now. But, um, yeah, I think it won't be till at least midseason, if not three-quarters of the season. You know, just kind of like Ben Cosme and them did last year. They got like, what, 50 to 75 plate appearances in Aberdeen. I could see that happening for him just to kind of yeah. get him ready for 2024, get him you know, what he's got to work on and just give him a taste of it and leave him wanting more as, as uh Matt blood likes to do, get him geared up for the off season going into the next season. But regardless, he could hit 20 home runs in Delmarva this year. And I'm here for it. Yeah. And that, uh, I think that that's worth emphasizing. If he doesn't get promoted this year, that's not a failure. It's not a disappointment. It's not even close to that. He's an 18 year old catcher. Uh, that you're just lending yourself to a longer development curve when you have that in the equation. If he goes to Delmarva and he has an OPS around 800 with 15, 20 homers, that's a successful year. And the other thing that I would point out is Creed Willems, who I think we're going to talk about here in a second, is older than Basayo. He's had a season at Delmarva before this. He's off to an excellent start himself right now. And yet if you're the Orioles, you have to think, do you really want to promote either guy unless you have immediate at-bats for them behind the plate? Because at Aberdeen, you have two pretty good catchers in Silas Ardwan and Adam Retzbach there. So one of them would have to move up, in my mind, for you to start that conversation of Wilms or Basayo going to Aberdeen because it's going to be hard to find at-bats for all three behind the plate. And you know that you're going to want them to continue to get the work in as a catcher for as long as you can do it. Yeah, at, don't sleep on Red Spock. And I'm not saying like he's you know going to be a top 30 prospect in the system at all. But I, I think I was talking with somebody, uh, I'll say close to the organization today, and a lot of high praise and good notes from Adam Red Spock uh, over his performance last week. But yeah, Creed, like 19 years old. We're talking about these 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 guys. Don't look at their birthdays. That'll make you feel extremely old. Um, I mean, the walk rate is absurd. It's almost 15%. He's only striking out 18.8% of the time. He struck out 27.6% of the time last year in Delmarva across 68 games. He he only hit 190 last year in Delmarva. He's hitting 395 right now with a 247 OPS. 
I know he hasn't played in a couple of days. We're trying to figure out exactly what's going on. Delmarva's moving some more catchers up to the roster for this week. So we'll see how much he plays this upcoming week. But, man, just hitting the ball hard, line drive, home runs, rockets. And same thing as last year. I love the body language. You know, not talking about not being able to assess guys, work behind the plate. But I love the body language behind the plate. I think there's one game. I don't know if it was last week or the week before. Uh, it was the day Moises Chasse. There were two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Chasse gave up back-to-back solo home runs. But they uh, pitching coach called timeout. They went and talked to him, settle him down. Like, just get one more out, man. Let's get out of this game. Uh, but as the pitching coach started walking out, Creed – can't read lips or anything, but it looked like Creed was, like, telling the coach, like, that was all me. My fault. My bad. I got this. It was just that leadership, him stepping up and making sure, like, Chasse knew, like, don't worry about it. It's not your fault. I, I got you right here. That was that was impressive to see, and we saw that last year. So, yeah, shout out to Creed. The man's not striking out, hitting bombs. Hope you're healthy. Get back on the field soon, and let's see what happens this year. Yeah, he's the old man in Delmarva <laughs> at almost 20 years old, two months away. Um, yeah, I like we've noted he's in better shape, but it's not even that necessarily. It's just he looks so much more confident and just sure of himself. So you can tell he just had a great offseason season very comfortable and he's just raking the ball to to have your walk rate almost triple and your strikeout rate like fall that far that's that's pretty impressive and to be fair i do think creed will be promoted to Aberdeen before Basayo. all things you know equal if everyone's healthy and all that but to be fair there's there will be room for him in aberdeen because the catching in in Bowie is not exactly lighting the world on fire and one of Ardwan or Retzback could, could go up to Billy or Creek could get, they could have three catchers at Aberdeen, honestly, and he could get some time at first DH. So I think there's room for that, but yeah, it's probably going to be, you know, around mid season. I would imagine maybe, maybe June 1st for Creed. So even with holiday moving up, Delmarva still has a pretty fun lineup down there. And not to mention guys like Elio Prado who are off the hot starts as well this season. So Shorebirds should remain pretty competitive and fun to watch most nights, even without Jackson Holiday in the lineup. Now, I'm going to jump all the way up to AAA and talk about Colton Kowser, who has really heated up. You might remember a couple of weeks ago on the show, we kind of got into Kowser's slow start a little bit, talked about what could be going on, what might not be working for him, but noted at the time that there were signs that he might be breaking out of it. He started to look beneath the you know, base level stats. And you can see some positives there for Calder. And pretty much since then, he's uh, kicked it into another gear. Over his last 12 games, he is hitting 413 with a 717 slugging percentage, three home runs, and has walked nine times while striking out 12. And on Saturday, he put on an impressive power display at Harbor Park, hitting two home runs that you really don't see a lot of tied hitters get. One of them was an opposite field shot to the party deck in left field. The other one being a ball that went over the party deck in right field. I think it actually cleared the roof or went right next to the roof. And I, as we've talked about on this show before, Harbor Park early in the year can be a tough place to hit. It's right on the water. The air is a little damp in the first few months of the season. So the ball doesn't quite travel. And despite it being a very rainy night on Saturday, Calder did not have any problems with that. He's really seems locked in right now. And Nick, I'll start with you here. If you know, we kind of felt like he may turn it on sooner rather than later, either even after that slow first week or 10 days. But what do you see in him right now? And why do you think he's finding so much success at the plate? Because he's cold cows. Or we've been telling you guys for a year now. It's like, watch, rinse, repeat. Uh, watch Colton cat. Like, Get the hypo with Colton Kowser. Watch him struggle. Listen to the worries. What's going on with Kowser? And then watch the bat explode, and then it repeats. Um, I just don't think he – I don't know. Maybe he's just not a, an early spring guy. I, I don't know. It takes him a while to adjust from wintertime. But I actually was looking at the comparisons because he's almost at this point where he's getting the same number of at-bats at AAA this year as he did last year. He's got about 30 fewer at-bats this season, but the difference in his numbers are astronomical. This, uh, da, 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 pull up here. So this year he's hitting, he's hitting 289 with a 407 on base percentage right now. It's 407 on base percentage. 
Uh, last year in Norfolk, 219 average with a 337 OBP. So 70 point bump in both those categories. 106 WRC plus to a 131 WRC plus. Here's where it gets good. The walk rate is up from 10.5% to 15.4%. And the strikeout rate, because everybody just loves to fixate on this godforsaken number, 30.6% strikeout rate last year. Not good. Down to 24.2% uh, already in Norfolk. Again, still early, small samples. I, I get that, but I'll take those numbers. I'll take a 24% strikeout rate when you're getting on base 40% of that uh, plate appearances. I'll take it. Um, you, you kind of look at like, there's a lot of ground balls. If you're looking at his fan grass page, ground ball rate is pretty astronomical, especially compared to last year. It's up to like 51%, but I'd be curious to know like how those are trending since he's gotten hot. If he's hitting more fly balls, you mentioned those home runs at Harbor park. I, that second one that was over the party deck or, or close to it. Like, I don't, I could think of like two guys for the right, diehards out there. Yeah, Newstrom could do that uh, for sure. Um, I was thinking even further back. I don't know why. Every time I see somebody hit one like that, I think of a uh, David Washington. If the diehards uh, remember that name, he could hit home runs like that. In Norfolk uh, could do nothing but strike out at the major league level, but he could put power like that. And Mount Castle, I've seen opposite field in the rain. I believe he was off Tukey Tucson, probably the most majestic home run I've seen in Harbor Park the last couple of years. Colin Cowser's is up there. Like guys do not hit home runs right there at Harbor Park. Um, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's unbelievable what he's doing this last couple of weeks at AAA. Was he the International League Player of the Week or something for last week? You can get into what happens next. What's the next step for him? But for right now, he settled in pretty well. Yeah, I, I'll never understand. I mean, I understand like thirty percent strikeout rate. That's unsustainably high. But if you're like twenty five in that range or under slightly over it's not a big deal in this day and age of baseball honestly especially when you're walking you know he walked 16 percent in high a last year 16 percent in double a last year fell all the way down to 10 and a half triple a and he's got it right back up to 15 and a half percent i mean he's the difference for me is i did notice the ground balls you know just watching him every it seemed like every single time he made contact he was just pounding the ball into the ground and he's starting to elevate you see that the extra bases are coming now. He's got three doubles, a, home, uh, a triple, and three home runs. And those <laughs> those two home runs were majestic. So, yeah, he's clearly got power. And that's clearly where the increase in strikeout rate came from. He's leaning back, swinging for power more because it's, it's playing. And he's getting comfortable with it. And if, now that he's elevating the ball, I think the league has a cows problem. That will never get old. Trying to pull up the exact number now, but I know that when we talked about Kowser two episodes ago, his ground ball rate, I remember bringing up at the time, was well over 60%. So in just a little less than two weeks, he's gotten the ground ball rate down pretty considerably. It's still higher than we're used to seeing from him at over 50%, but it has been coming down. And I think that one thing he's done pretty consistently all year is hit the ball hard. The problem he was having over the first 10 games or so was that he was consistently hitting it on the ground. Even a lot of his base hits were ground balls. Now he's starting to drive the ball a lot more, and I think it's allowed him to tap into the power that we know he has, or at least the extra base hit power that we know that he has. And I agree with both of you. The strikeout rate being around 24 25%, when you're getting on base 40% of the time and you're hitting for power, is really not that big of a deal, especially in this day and age where – we expect that guys who are going to hit for power and be selective at the plate are going to strike out a little more than a player that doesn't have that kind of power and is maybe a little bit more aggressive or doesn't swing quite as hard. But those numbers, when you look at them across the board, no issues with them at all. I, I can live with the strikeout rate being around 24 25% if the power and walk numbers and his ability to get on base stay consistent. And the defensive highlight, I think he made a nice diving catch out there in center field as well. So it's, again, I, I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you if he's, you know, an everyday center fielder at the major league level. I think if you're just looking at Kowser as a future Oriole, I don't think you need him to play center field because Cedric Mullins is your guy in center field, hopefully for a long time. But yeah, I think that's the only, other, the only thing at this point that I have a question about with Kowser is how does the organization view him? Right? Because we just 
we've gone through this with Cal Stowers now at this point. Like, is Cowser, do the Orioles view Cowser as a, a corner outfielder on the major league roster by the end of the year? Or is he more depth like Kyle Stowers? <laughs> Hopefully we see him as a starting corner outfielder at some point this year. But then again, you know, if Hayes keeps hitting this well, like, you know, hoping Santander's bat pulls through, uh, it's he's been doing better, I think, lately. But unless there's a move, it's it's going to, he's going to force some issue in the next couple of weeks, I think. I mean, what did Eve tell us? They want two center fielders. And even if he's not necessarily a above average major league center fielder, he could be a second center fielder in the Orioles left field area. And then you move Hayes in his cannon arm over to right field and boom, great defense. You're improving your bad uh, pitches per plate appearance, which we already are excelling at right there, just because Kowser is going to take his pitches and take his walks. So, and you need some more lefty power to play in uh, cannon yard. So, I think if he keeps it up, his time will come. Defense is probably the hardest thing for the three of us to talk about when it comes to minor leaguers because we really ha- don't have any reliable data that is available publicly. And we really don't know, even if we had that data, how much of that actually drives the Orioles' decision-making. But I'll throw this out there just to get your guys' thoughts on it. Kowser, if you break down his games defensively this year, he's had four games in left field, three games at DH. 13 games and 12 starts in center field. So the bulk of his playing time has come in center field. Harbor Park, I think at this point, maybe the challenges and the way that the outfield is configured are not the same as Candom Yards. Candom Yards, left center and left field might be a little bit more difficult to play now. But I think we'd agree it's not the easiest outfield to play. No, I've I've seen many guys over the last 20 plus years get eaten alive out there. Cedric Mullins is the most recent name that comes to my mind that mastered that center field out there at Harvard Park. Um, but yeah, I just I was thinking about that earlier. Like you see Hudson Haskin up there in AAA as well and thinking about, all right, who's going to see more time in center field? You know, Haskin, I, I watch play defensively and you like he takes some questionable routes sometime and you're like, well, you should have got to that. Maybe I noticed that with Haskin. I don't notice that as much with Kowser. I, I don't, maybe he doesn't give you that spectacular play like he had last night. Maybe he doesn't give you a ton of those, but I never really see a lot of plays with Kowser that are like, well, what are you doing out there? Like you, you could have had that. I think he does a really good job of limiting those where it's like, I, I think that's the good thing. If, if I'm not noticing your defensive play out there, it's not standing out, then I think that's you're doing a good thing, in my opinion. Yeah. When I was down at spring training, that is what stood out for me. Like, I think he makes up for not being naturally the fastest. And he's he's pretty quick. He's pretty nimble, athletic. But I think he just gets incredible reads and jumps on, on the ball. That's what I noticed. He's, as soon as the ball is hit, I'm looking over at him, and he's already, like, in place or on his way. So I think – Positioning wise, just I think he's going to be a perfect left fielder and and potentially center fielder eventually. But yeah, I think he's plenty good and and I think Haskin could play left field as well. But hopefully he's our future McKenna and Kowser's our future. I don't know Marquez, but in left. I was I was curious too about the the splits. Uh, still very early. Not that I, I think they they matter because we know what happens even if you can hit lefties. It still doesn't seem to matter. But. Uh, he does have a 955 OPS versus eight versus lefties, 864 OPS versus righties. Again, very small sample size versus lefties there, but a, a 500 on base percentage against lefties as well. So overall, all around, solid guy. Yeah, and should mention that Norfolk's lineup just has continued to roll. Um, Kowser and Joey Ortiz have been two of the hottest hitters, and on Sunday, they combined, I believe, to go one for seven in a game against Rochester where Norfolk still scored 17 runs. So right now the Tides lineup is kind of on a roll. Uh, it, I, we've all three, I think, watched a lot of Tides games this year just because of how that roster shapes out early in the year and the fact that at AAA, pretty much any ballpark you're getting a quality MILB TV feed to watch the game with. What has stood out to you? And I'll start with Bob here just about this Norfolk lineup every night. Exit velocities just <laughs> across the board are just insane. Uh, especially shout out to Joey Ortiz. I know he doesn't have a home run yet, but that's coming. Uh, he's 
I think I just retweeted something that, let's see if I could buy some time, but he's consistently hitting the ball so hard, and it's proven by the fact that his 90th percentile exit velocity was 103 last year. This year, it's 109. Um, that's insane. Um, yeah, he's he's hitting the ball so hard, he doesn't strike out very much. He's not walking that much this year, but when you're hitting the ball that hard and that consistently and your batting average is like, was it over 400 at some point last week? I don't think that matters as much. Just like when Westberg's hot, he doesn't seem to walk as much uh, because you're you're swinging a hot bat and you're actually swinging the bat and making hard contact. But And Westberg's been good too. He missed some time with the injury, but he's hitting the ball hard. Um, Haskin was hitting the ball hard. Josh Lester, of all people, is, is hitting the ball really hard. Um, it's just so much fun to watch top to bottom. Kyle Stowers is just picking up right where he left off. You know, it took a, a week or so to get his feet under him to actually get used to playing baseball again because he was rotting on a bench um, for a week or two. But then he's he's been playing well as well. So super fun team to watch, pitching side and hitting side. But Yeah, Westberg just seems like he's good now after that back issue. He had a good week last week. Uh 450 home base percentage last week, which is good. Only one extra base hit, but he did walk three times and stole two bases. I've noticed that with Westberg. He seems, maybe I'm just looking out for it more, but he seems more aggressive out there in the base paths this year, uh, which is good to see. I think he just continues to do exactly what he needs to do. Um, Norby's hitting well, seems healthy. The hand seems fine. Stowers has been Stowers. I, I want to make one comment about Norfolk hitters, though. And I'm gonna fle- I want to flesh this out more over the next week and talk about this in more detail on our Patreon exclusive episode in the next week or so when we update our top 50 list. But I'm gonna tease it here and say that I, I put this in our private chat and I've been thinking about it more and more. And I really want to do it. And I think it's like time to stop playing games with Joey Ortiz and just kind of lay the hammer down. And I really do believe that there's a legitimate case that he is the number three prospect in the system. And I, I think the numbers are backing that up. The the Statcast numbers are backing that up. His play on the field is backing that up. I, I think at worst he's top five prospect in the system. But I I could say you have a legitimate argument that Joey Ortiz. It's Grayson Rodriguez. It's Jackson Holiday, and then it's Joey Ortiz in the system. I think you can make a very good argument for that, and I do agree he's at least top five. So we'll definitely be getting more into that about a week from now. Yeah, and just to go back on something I mentioned earlier in the seventeen to seven game. Uh, on Sunday, Norfolk's went over Rochester. Colton Cowser went 0 for 3. He did walk twice, scored two runs. Joey Ortiz, who has a nice 865 OPS even after that 0 for 4 performance, neither one of them collect the hit. Cowser walks twice, and yet the Tides lineup still puts together 10 runs, uh, or excuse me, 10 hits, 17 runs, and 13 walks in that win over Rochester. Um, it was a tough week, by the way, to be part of the Nationals organization going up against the Orioles. Uh, Delmarva played very well at Fredericksburg. Norchester, uh, Norfolk more than handled Rochester in the series at Harbor Park, while the Orioles took two in a row down at Nationals Park in the middle of the week. Uh, Nick, your favorite ballpark, Nationals Park. Uh, anything you want to add there? Nine and two against the baby nets. Uh, future is not bright in uh, in DC. That's for a number of reasons, but baseball specifically, the future is uh, definitely not bright. And uh, Aberdeen's going to take it to Wilmington this week. So sorry, Nats fans. We want to give a take a few minutes here to talk about some of the hitters that we didn't get a chance to go to. And I'm going to bring up Kobe Mayo for a minute because Mayo in the series against Altoona hit what I think have been two of the most impressive home runs that we've seen from an Orioles hitter or an Orioles minor league hitter this season. Uh, for those that have not been to Altoona's ballpark, you go out to left field and there are bleachers beyond the left field wall. Then behind those bleachers is this berm area. Bayo cleared the bleachers twice last week, hitting the ball onto the berm area. The exit velocities were both over 100 miles an hour. I know one of the home runs was measured at 425 feet. So he has been bringing legitimate power to the Bay Sox lineup so far. Cesar Prieto, meanwhile, uh, just continues to have a hot start. 397 average in the 952 OPS through his first 58 at-bats. I talked about this a little bit on a Patreon exclusive today, actually, that Prieto did get off to a hot start last year 
before things really cooled off for him. But I think that what he's doing this year, first of all, he physically looks stronger than he did. And it seems like at least with the eye test, the swing decisions have been better. So we'll have to see how that sustains itself. But Prieto off to a pretty solid start. And those were two guys at Bowie that stood out last week. Yeah. Mayo, to me, is like he's striking out less than 20% of the time. If 62 plate appearances, 19.4% strikeout rate. That's 60 plate appearances to stabilize that. If he's going to strike out less than 20% of the time, watch watch out because he is going to be a top 25 prospect in baseball and he's going to be hammering the ball for doubles and home runs left and right. And he's walking almost 10% as well. 137 WRC plus. And I know for a fact that he's been a little bit unlucky. He hit a ball 109 the other day and it was a 17 degree launch angle, barreled it up caught um you know he, he struggled with that a little bit in Aberdeen last year but if as long as he's he's a guy that if he's not striking out the rest is going to take care of itself because when he hits the ball he hits it so hard that yeah you might be Ryan Mountcastle of double a and and hit into some bad luck but at the end of the day if you're going to consistently hit the ball hard and not strike out a ton then he could strike out 25% of the time and I'd be like the rest will take care of itself, but under 20% is, is pretty darn good. So yeah, just keep that up and those numbers will rise. And I would say Prieto, we've seen this before. He's Mr. April, but I think, you know, he's, we've talked about it. He's clearly balked up. He's clearly trying to, you know, I think I heard somewhere that the grind of the, he, he underestimated the grind of a, of a full minor league season. Well, now he's been through one, so hopefully he can at least uh, sustain it a little bit better. But he looks really good. He does. Yeah, I was, was going to say, Kobe is like the Ryan getting the Ryan Mountcastle treatment pretty hardcore uh, over the last like two years in the minors. But yeah, and again, comparing his time at AA last year, he was striking out like 35, 36% of the time. And that was something that was in like the national scouting reports on Mayo coming out of the draft was that He's not going to strike out as much as you think this big, tall, powerful righty, you know, power hitter who's got Austin Riley comps placed on him. He's going to surprise you with the strikeout rate being much lower than you think it would be. And he's starting to show that at the double A level. And again, another reminder that he is only 21 years old, three years younger than the average competition at double A, which is just absurd. Um, Same thing again, John Mule, Baltimore banner, just nailing the coverage here in the minor leagues. Talking about everything that may have been working on the offseason to improve, I think you're seeing everything that was most of the stuff that was talked about in that article, you're seeing it play out on the field, which is obviously a really good sign. Prieto, I just, I don't know either. Like, yes, I think the gains are for real. He's got hits in 12 of 14 games. He's got four three-hit games. Like, you're not looking into those. You're you're playing extremely well. We got to see some exit velos in spring training, and they were like, a lot of 101s, 102s, 103s. He hits the ball hard. He doesn't walk at all, but he also doesn't strike out like at all. He struck out zero times last week in 19 at-bats, and he's only struck out four times all season. So I think he's becoming more like the player that he was in Cuba. He's putting up those same kind of numbers now at the double-A level. But now you look at like where does where does he go? If he stays hot, what happens? Because the major league infield, you look at the triple-A infield, there's a lot of competition. And again, this is a really good problem to have. I, I can't remember who it was. Apologies if you're a listener, but someone on Twitter was like commented on Cesar Prieto post and was like, if this was a couple of years ago, Prieto would be our number three prospect and we'd be looking at his stats, tracking his stats every single day. I'm like, you're not wrong. Um, and now he's what? Not even top 10 middle infielders in the system, including the major league level. <laughs> yeah. Like it's... It's a good problem to have. I, I hope he keeps it up, though. I, I do like Prieto, and it's been fun to watch him this year. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, let the let the problem work itself out. I think if Prieto just continues to do what he needs to do in Bowie, it's going to work itself out one way or the other. And, I mean, we, we are seeing a ton of infield depth throughout the system, and right now it doesn't seem like you have places to put guys. Um, you can look at AAA's roster with Jordan Westbrook still being there and probably see the one of the best examples of that. But at the same time, if Prieto continues to hit, he'll force CSU. That's what I was going to say. I mean, we've seen Norby and Westberg play left field already this year. 
if he just keeps racking up these hits, then by end of May, they'll send him up there anyway, and, and you can find at-bats all over the place. I mean, Josh Lester can sit on the bench uh, one or two more times a week. So, yeah, just keep doing what he's doing, and they have no issue, no, no other solution other than to promote you and, uh, and play you. Let's jump now to our final segment of the episode where we talk about the players that have stood out to us that are outside of our top 30 prospects list. And it could be for a good game that they have had um, a good week or just something interesting in the stat line that we want to point out. And I'm going to start with Bob here because this segment is for under-the-radar guys, yet one of these players has been getting so much attention nationally for a highlight reel catch that he made, this isn't even really under the radar anymore. Well, fair. But, <laughs> I mean, that, that catch was absurd on every level. I mean, that made the Colton Cowser diving catch be like, eh, whatever, piece of cake. Yeah, Dante Williams, number two on the Sports Center top 10, just sprinting backwards, going all Jim Edmonds, diving over, straight over his head, diving straight back. Fantastic, but. That's really what I was shouting him out for. But also, I mean, he is striking out a ton over 40 plate appearances to start the year. But as always, he's walking 17.5% walk rate. He's batting 241 with a 755 OPS, a 129 WRC plus, And he's got two stolen bases. So I don't know. I think if he stays healthy and he's been hit by a few pitches, so easier said than done. But if he stays healthy, I'd be interested to see what he can do over the course of a full season. In double A. Also, I'll go over to my pitcher now, Keegan Gillis, um, who's the six foot eight, two hundred and fifty-five pound right-handed pitcher out of the twenty twenty-one draft, fifteenth round pick. Uh, over five innings this year, he's got ten strikeouts and one walk, no hits allowed. Only fifteen total batters faced over five innings. That is the minimum. So I'm assuming you got a double play on the uh, only other on the on the walk or maybe a throwing out trying to steal i don't know but also want to shout out chris restar on twitter who saw a lot of aberdeen and Delmarva this past week and shouted out gillies in particular said gillies on the other hand showed a huge fastball hitting 97 98 consistently but with no discernible breaking ball if gillies can harness the command even somewhat and develop his curveball which does exist even if i didn't see it he could be a potential bullpen arm down the line so you love to see that big, powerful righty with early results. We get to go along with his good stuff. And he's 25 years old, so no reason to slow play him. He's a bullpen arm. Let's get him uh, powered up this the system and the year in AAA. I like Gillis. He's looking really good. Uh, I want to shout out Luis Gonzalez, outfielder down in Delmarva, just because he's 20 years old, 6'4", left-handed hitting outfielder. I think there's a lot of buzz around him when the Orioles signed him initially out of the Dominican Republic, but he's struggled the last two years in the FCL, like low batting averages, super high strikeout rates, but he got to make his full season debut last week because Trenton Craig went on the IL and he picked up three hits, drove in two, walked three, uh, did strike out seven times, but he hit 273 with a 429 on base percentage. And uh, it's really cool to see him play for the first time. I always love when these guys, we hear so much about, especially the international signings, you hear a lot about them and we you know, learn more and more about them. And then it's like three years later before we get to actually see them. So it's really cool to see him live uh, at the plate for the first time. And then my picture is uh, the great British strikeout artist uh, known as Ryan Long, conqueror of uh, the great Mike Trout back during the World Baseball Classic. He's in Aberdeen and he pitched three and two thirds scoreless innings last week, allowed just two hits, uh, struck out six while walking two. He's played in three games for Aberdeen so far this year. Got a 3.18 ERA, a .88 whip, 147 average against 14 strikeouts to just five walks and 11 innings. The, I'm assuming he's the the pride and joy of a Pomona pitcher out there in California. He's pitching pretty well in high A, and it's uh, good to see him find some early success this year. Good choices. I'll uh, go with my hitter now, and it's Zach Watson. Uh, Watson really, really struggled last year at Bowie after a pretty promising 2021 season. And he's, but he's coming off a good week, five games against Altoona. He went eight for 20 at the plate with a home run, six RBIs. I think Watson's just at a point right now where he needs to take advantage of the opportunities he can get. We know that outfield depth in the system is stacked. 
it's hard to get at bats for guys sometimes. And Watson, you know, his stock did take a dip last year after he had just a 577 OPS in 95 games with the Bay Sox. But anything he can do to kind of help himself out this year is a good thing. He certainly deserves credit for an excellent week against Altoona. And then for my pitcher, I'm going with Yaki Rivera. Rivera is a guy who was at Del Marvo last year and flashed impressive stuff at times, but the results were really uneven. This year, he has been gotten off to an excellent start, and that continued on Sunday when he picked out two scoreless innings with no hits to get the save in the series finale against the Fredericksburg Nationals. The one thing we saw from Rivera last year was really good stuff, and this year that's translating into success. Eight innings out of the bullpen for the Swordbirds so far, 11 strikeouts against just four walks, a 1-1-3 ERA. Hopefully he's able to keep that going because he's a guy that when he's on is very effective. Last year it felt like he was off more than he's on, but hopefully he's able to turn the page this year, and he is only 19 years old. So that's a young arm that's got some promise down there in Delmarva. Yeah, we saw flashes out of him at the end of last year to where he looked fantastic at times, and he's just going to have to be more consistent with that this year, and so far so good. And also, yeah, Luis Gonzalez, I mean, we he was pretty notable coming out of that first international class and been pretty disappointing the past few years. And at the old age of 20 now, he's finally in Delmarva. Uh, looked pretty comfortable in the few times I saw him up there. So good on him for for making it to a full season ball in April. Can, can we shout out one more guy? Because yeah. I am following along here. Uh, Orioles Yenier just Cano? Took, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Orioles just took down the Red Sox. Uh, Yenier Cano, I did not think he could do this. But I know I said so many times on this show, if he could just throw a strike, the stuff is nasty. It, he showed that in Norfolk. He showed the the stance, the pose. I want to put that on a hoodie and give it to me. That is just ugh. he had it, but you get to the major leagues and it would all fall apart for him. Another scoreless inning today. That's what seven, eight innings, no hits, no walks. Perfect. He's literally perfect up at the major leagues. So we just jinxed it. He's going to give up eight runs next time. But shout out to Yinyer Cano, just amazing. Felix my Bautista man who? about to steal the closer job for Felix Bautista. <laughs> He's been more consistent. I think Bautista has the better raw stuff. But in, in all seriousness, uh, shout out to the Orioles who have consistently turned guys with no control into like incredible weapons. Like Bautista, now Cano, just throw it over the middle of the plate. That's what I'm guessing they're telling them. <laughs> and uh, it's working. Uh, D.L. Yeah. Hall, you're next. <laughs> No, I was really anxious to see how he would start off this year because he's big, he throws hard, he's always had gotten good ground ball rates, he's got that weird arm angle, but he just couldn't throw strikes. And the one thing that kind of gave me a little bit of hope was we heard from Cade Povitz and Chase McDermott, the Orioles didn't really try to make a lot of adjustments up front with them last year after the deadline. So I thought, okay, that probably applied to Cano too to a certain extent. Maybe they didn't really touch him right away. So just give him half a season at Norfolk. I didn't think he'd be up in the big leagues as quickly, but give him half a season at Norfolk and see what he does. And I love that stare that he has into the strike zone after he strikes a guy out. We talk about K struts on this show a lot, or in Gene Pinto's case, like a K shuffle when he goes off the mound after he strikes somebody out. Cano's stare down has to be the worst feeling in the world. If you're a hitter walking back to the dugout and he's still staring where the pitch went, when he struck you out just... and the best part is he's in perfect fielding position <laughs> so it's not <laughs> like you know uh it's amazing yeah clearly he pitched incredibly well in spring training what he had one walk to like i don't know 10 double digit strikeouts <laughs> and he was clearly the first guy on their mind when they needed a pitcher to come up so they were ready for this kudos to cano i, I love this guy just uh, unbelievable just unbelievable what he's doing. Had to shout him out before we uh, closed out here since uh, I have no more words for you on your kiddo. I hope this just continues for as long as possible. Completely agree. And we will be back next week. We're actually gearing up for some big things here content-wise. We might have a surprise for you in the middle of this week. We'll see. But we will be back regardless next Monday with a new episode. And as Nick mentioned earlier, we are gearing up for the monthly update to our top 50 prospect list. Those monthly updates are exclusive to patrons. Not only will you get the list, 
So you'll get a bonus episode where we will break down the top 50. That will be released right after the beginning of May. So if you haven't signed up for our Patreon community yet, please consider doing so. And while you're going around the internet, be sure to check out BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com. Not only is there a lot of great Orioles coverage on the site, but there is also some NFL draft coverage. So if you want to see who the Ravens are going to nab in the draft this week, you're going to want to check out BaltimoreSportsAndLife.com for some analysis there. As for the minor leagues, be sure to follow us on Twitter at BSL on the Verge. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. We'll have updates throughout the week of the Orioles minor league action. For Bob Phelan and Nick Stevens, this is Zach Svedden. You've been listening to On the Verge. That'll do it for this week's episode of On the Verge. Be sure to check out our Patreon page where you can help show your support for the show and get bonus content, including monthly top 50 updates to our prospect list and daily game recaps during the season and much, much more. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger, because we have professional grade supplies for every industry, even hard to find products. And we have same day pickup and next day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.